Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, guys, back here on Southeastern 14 with Brian Edwards once again, our Vegas expert. I hope you had a chance to catch uh, the show we did last week, which, uh, again, you can check out the full show from start to finish in our podcast feed. You can find that on Apple Podcasts everywhere else. Uh, You can find the different clips and videos for specific topics on our YouTube channel, as you guys know. Uh, That's how we put it all together these days. Um, So, Check it out there. And Brian, back once again. And this week, uh, we talked about a lot of just specific games last week, but now we're looking more at kind of rankings. And Brian specifically has done his SEC power rankings for the upcoming season, along with his really top 50 college football uh, preseason rankings. So ranking his top 50 teams. And so we're going to touch on a little bit of that. But Brian, let's start here, uh, because you mentioned this right before we started recording. Uh, We talked about the Florida-Utah a little bit last week, but... You mentioned there's been a little bit of movement there in terms of the line on that game. Uh, and here we are, you know, not that far away from that one, a couple of weeks now. Um, I guess let people know what you're kind of seeing on this Florida-Utah line. Yes. Yeah, so when when this line opened several months ago, uh, a few books had it at 10. Um, I feel like there's even maybe a 10 and a half uh, at one of those spots. I'm going to say it was DraftKings, but um, it's kind of slowly moved down, which, you know, with Cam Rising, uh, and so here we are, 14 days out. Cam Rising is still only dropping back and throwing, which he's been doing for a couple of weeks, but they have not cleared him for lateral movement or any live, uh, you know, game scrimmage type uh, action. And the same with their stud uh, tied in, Brant uh, Keithe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He had a season ending injury last year as well, and he's the same. Uh, predicament is rising only a limited participant so far and you know he's going to be their best weapon and you know it had slowly moved down to eight uh, and when Whittingham came out early uh, this week and said that uh, Bryson Barnes would start if obviously a big if if rising uh, isn't cleared because they they had another quarterback uh, I think the uh, backup Brandon uh, Brandon Rose was probably going to be QB too, but he got injured a week or two ago. And so when he said it was going to be Barnes, you saw the line move to seven and a half. And then I woke up the next day. I want to say it was maybe Tuesday and it was all the way down to seven. Um, again, I, I touched on it a little bit that I'm way down on my Gators. I have the lowest expectations of my lifetime. Uh, for, for this uh, team. So I'm not endorsing this play, but I will just point out that Billy Napier has been outstanding as an underdog uh, during his uh, head coaching career, obviously four years at Louisiana. Um, so he is overall 17-5-1 and one against the spread with 10 outright wins in 23 games as an underdog and went 5-1 and one ATS with two outright wins as a dog at uh, UF last year. Also, the total has also been moving down. It opened at 50 and one half. Uh, looking right now, there are a couple of 46 and a halves at uh, Circa uh, in the Westgate Superbook. And I even see a couple of offshores are at 46. But if you're thinking the under, 
um, there is a 47 at the South Point and also at DraftKings. But we've seen significant movement in the line and the total. And look, if Rising were to get upgraded, like, you know, this time next week on a Thursday, you know, a week ahead of time, I would expect the line, yeah. you know, to move back up a little bit. Um, so uh, I would say if you like Utah, you probably want to get them right now. I don't I don't think it's going to move uh, lower than seven. Um, I'd be pretty surprised. I guess if you got, you know, ruled out, maybe it would dip to six and a half, but I, I really doubt it. Yeah, always interesting these these first games because, like you said, especially when you have a guy like this that's in this situation, you just don't know um, because there's just there's not a lot to go off of just yet. But we only know what kind of the injury was he had, and now we wait and see what happens. We'll also wait and see where Brian has the Florida Gators um, in his SEC power rankings because I think he sort of alluded to they may not be too high um, here on this list, but. All right, Brian, let's transition into uh, your power rankings. Obviously, we've done our rankings here on the channel, and uh, we've all kind of talked about what we think about some of these teams. Um, you know what? Actually, let's do this. Let's let's start at the bottom, because I think that's uh, a good way to kind of count it down. Um, you've got Vanderbilt at 14. I'll just kind of group some of these teams together, and I know they can. you can kind of mention that maybe they're in different tiers, but maybe we'll go just kind of group some of these together and, and stop at certain points. But you've got Vanderbilt at 14, Missouri at 13, Auburn at 12 and Florida at 11. Uh, you've mentioned Florida. We, we've kind of talked about them. I'm sure we'll talk about them more leading into that Utah game. But these three teams here, Auburn, Missouri, Vanderbilt, um, you know, I think we've talked – I think Vanderbilt's going to be better. I think they'll be improved just from a talent standpoint. Now, the problem becomes, right, it's just finding enough you, – you can be improved, but it's still finding those wins in the SEC is hard to do. Um, they've got a nice non-conference schedule, but – it's just finding those SEC wins, which, as we know, they did last year a couple times to surprise everyone. But um, so Missouri, very, very outstanding defense. Like this is a, a very strong defensive unit. Uh, and then, of course, Auburn. I mean, I think I just for me, I'm just I don't know what it looks like. Right. I think it's it's going into a season knowing Hugh Freeze is there. Do they have the talent to put it all together in year one? So I think there are some interesting questions with these three teams here in particular. Yeah, um, so Vanderbilt, obviously, at 14, but Clark Lee, you know, those two big wins uh, as a 17.5-point underdog and a 14-point underdog at, at Kentucky and home to, to Florida, respect, respectively. And I had the, the great misfortune of actually going to that game uh, in Nashville. <laughs> T hooked me up with some great tickets, so I had, you know, awesome seats to watch my Gators. Uh, I think it was the first L at Vandy since the eighties, but um, yeah, two big wins for Clark Lee. He uh, got an, a contract uh, extension. They, they seem to be making progress. I think in AJ Swan, he's got his quarterback of the present and the future, 10 to two uh, TDI and T ratio. Uh, Will Shepard um, on most preseason second team, uh, all SEC uh, teams in most publications, 60 catches, 776 yards, nine touchdowns. Last year, also had a, a nice freshman season uh, for Jaden McGowan, 44 uh, receptions, 453 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, you know, we mentioned last week, you know, Ray Davis was obviously uh, a big loss. Uh, I, I know they're they're counting on the freshman Cedric Alexander um, to play a, um, a big role. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the true freshman in action, uh, what, nine days from now. But um in general, like like you noted, uh, it should start two and zero. Um, 
I don't, you know, I think it's going to be a, a little slippage with Wake, uh, who they play at, you know, in Winston-Salem week three. I think there's going to be slippage with, with Hartman uh, no longer there. The game at UNLV, you know, anytime you got to go out west, that can be tricky. And that's a big revenge game. UNLV came into Nashville and won 34 to 10 as the 15 point underdog. Granted, I guess most of those players are all gone. That was way back in 2019. Uh, but that was an embarrassing one. Um, so, you know, I, I would think Vandy should start three and one. Um, and then Kentucky at Mizzou at home, they'll certainly be underdogs. But, um, you know, played Mizzou pretty tough uh, or really tough last year, actually. Uh, easily covered 17-14 uh, loss as a 14-point underdog. But anyhow, I, I marked Vandy 3-6 and six, uh, with three swing games being Kentucky and Missouri at home and Auburn at home. Um, are those games winnable? Uh, potentially. I mean, they got to play really good. They got to hope they're healthy. Um at, you know, and we'll see. I, I think we're probably looking at a four and eight, maybe five and seven type of year for the Commodores. As for Missouri, like you said, I, I absolutely love their defense. I mean, if you take away uh, the Tennessee game where they gave up 66 in the K-State game, and, and really the K-State game was a little bit of an aberration because they only gave up 336 yards that game, but they got 40 points. I I, I kind of tuned that game out pretty early because they jumped all over them, but they were minus three in turnover margins, so I would imagine K-State got some short fields. Um, I don't remember if they had a defensive touchdown or not, but you take away those two games, and, and Missouri's defense – was lights out. I mean, they held Georgia to its second lowest scoring output, uh, only 26. Man, they could have won that game. They, they probably should have won the game at Florida. They obviously had five different chances to win, you know, the Auburn game. So, you know, I think Missouri, you know, I, the off, you know, Brady Cook offseason surgery wasn't around uh, in the spring. Uh, they need Luther Burden to make a, a big jump. Uh, it, it was a crusher that they lost Dominic Lovett and, and the rich get richer in the SEC. But Georgia goes and takes Mississippi State's best wide receiver and Missouri's uh, as if they didn't have uh, enough uh, talent. But um, so I've got Missouri four and five with three swing games being K-State at home uh, at Vandy, which I think they'll win at Kentucky. Uh, or I'm, Wait, I'm sorry. Those are the. Let me let me run that back. Four and five with three swing games being K-State at home, South Carolina at home, and Florida at home. And Florida rarely wins at Mizzou. So I, I would think Mizzou uh, will win that one. I, I think they can get to seven and five. They could potentially uh, win those three swing games. They're all at home. And look, if if they beat K-State, and that that is a huge if, but if they do, um, they could very well be uh, five and zero. Oh with LSU coming to town and uh big pickup on the recruiting trail uh, for drink uh, this week. So things uh, seem to be going well. I, I just kind of got a question mark about the QB play. Uh, you know, is, is Brady cook hundred percent healthy? Um, and I know drink has not announced a, a starter yet with Sam Horn uh, pushing uh, Brady cook. Yeah. Should be interesting. I think that, like I said, I love the defense. I mean, I really, I just love that defense. I mean, they got so many guys that can be on the all SEC team. And you think about just how many great defensive players are around the league, but man, they got several of them there um, that are really good. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I tend to think Missouri's trending upward, but like you said, it depend on those swing games and see 
how they do and how the offense uh, continues to develop there. All right. Like so we I said, never got, no, I never got. Oh to yeah. Auburn. Auburn. <laughs> um, so Hugh freeze major upgrade in the head coaching uh, department. Uh, this team showed a lot of fight late in the year for Cadillac. I thought it was obviously a good move by freeze to, to keep him on staff Freeze is you know, making some noise on, on the recruiting trail. And, um, you know, he went out and hit the portal hard, got 20 transfers, 11 uh, were four stars, according to the 247 Sports uh, composite. Um, you know, Ashford is an outstanding athlete. I love how he can scramble. He's got a good arm. He's just had accuracy issues. But he seemed like he was getting better late last year, and Freeze is good with quarterbacks. So um, we'll see. But I did see uh, that Peyton Thorne, as I'm talking about Ashford, I just saw it right before we came on. I don't know if you saw it yet, uh, but Peyton Thorne, or at least it was a report uh, from an Auburn beat writer that he's going to be named uh, the starter. But I mean, I think we'll we'll see both guys uh, yeah. this year, um, certainly in the early going, uh, unless Thorne like really establishes himself. Um, we'll see on a Jarquez Hunter suspension. Uh, there's a lot of rumors out there on that. Obviously, he's a huge player for them, but they don't have to have him against UMass. Going at Cal could be tricky. Justin Wilcox, uh, very good defensive uh, coach, and um, he's on the hot seat, but we know Ole Miss got beat out there uh, three or four years back when they had AJ and uh, Metcalf. But uh, I have Auburn three and five uh, with four swing games. Uh, the swing games uh, being uh, at Vandy, where I'm going to give them a W. That'll make them four and five. Uh, the Mississippi schools, uh, both at home uh, and back-to-back weeks. And I'm going to give them a W at Cal. So I'll have them five and five with those games. And, and, and I, I see them probably splitting uh, those two games. again, And Ole Miss does have two weeks to prepare for Auburn. And Auburn will be coming off uh, playing at LSU. So an advantageous uh, spot for the Rebels. But they have not had uh, a lot of success at Jordan-Hare. Now, I, I'm going to point at one game that could kind of swing this whole thing uh, for Auburn. Um, you never know at Jordan-Hare. I mean, that really bad team two years ago should have, you know, one, if, if Tank doesn't go out of bounds and um, if Bryce Young doesn't work miracles on that final drive. So, I mean, maybe they could beat Alabama and then that could, you know, change things. But uh, the, the win total at six and a half um, is a pass for me. If they can beat Bama, maybe they go seven and five. Um, and I'll just point out the, the spreads on their games of the year. They are an 18 and a half point underdog at home to Georgia. You know, we all hope that they can, you know, maybe that can be the hiccup game for Georgia, kind of like at Missouri was uh, last year. That's wishful thinking. Maybe it'll happen. We'll see. Uh, they're also plus 17 at LSU and plus 14 uh, to Bama. And so those are my thoughts on the Auburn Tigers in year one of Hugh Freeze. All right. So as we said, Florida at 11, perhaps for you right now, better, less said, uh, the, the better. Um, maybe that's where we're at. We just talked about Florida, as we said. And South Carolina, you have South Carolina at 10, which if you want thoughts on South Carolina, we did that on the previous uh, episode. We talked a lot about the South Carolina-North Carolina game, um, which I think is interesting. Like you say, I'm reading, uh, which we'll, we'll link these again, uh, as we did last week. Um, you can read Brian's thoughts on these uh, in written form, too. But South Carolina at 10, but South Carolina is number 26 in your top 50. So you keep that in mind. If you're 10th in the SEC, 
you're still doing quite well in terms of um, the, the national scale there. We have South Carolina at 10, Mississippi State at 9, um, and then A&M at 8. Uh, like I said, we did talk about South Carolina. If you want to hit on a couple other things, you can, but I know you mentioned quite a bit about them last week. But Mississippi State and A&M are two interesting ones. And I think for a lot of people, Mississippi State is one of the hardest teams to figure out um, because I've seen them picked in a variety of, of places by people because I think it's they're completely changing – you know, their offensive scheme here, it's not going to be throwing the ball 60 times a game um, and those kind of things, but they do keep some of the continuity with Zach Arnett. Uh, and then, you know, on the flip side of that, there's a team like A&M who was the most disappointing team in the country last season. And now looks like it has all the, the, the talent and weapons needed to make a huge jump. It's just a matter of, can they do it? So I do find A&M and Mississippi state to, and I like that they're grouped here at eight, and nine, to be two of the most, you know, kind of interesting teams heading into the season. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, you start with Will Rogers uh, for Mississippi State. You know, he's already uh, like uh, more than 1,300 yards past Dak Prescott as the program's all-time leader uh, in career passing yards. He's had a, a heck of a career, and I don't think – I mean, obviously he's got uh, the new OC, Kevin Barbe, who, who was at App State – uh, last year, you know, I don't think they should drift too far from the air raid philosophies because Rogers had that system down to a science. Um, but they're obviously going to run the ball uh, more. And, you know, that plays into uh, them being, you know, a hard team to predict because we really don't know uh, Zach Arnett. I mean, we, we got to see him a one game sample. Uh, against Illinois uh, of his, you know, head coaching decisions and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, I liked him a lot as a DC, but I'm, you know, it was kind of wait and see mode um, as a head coach. Um, you know, they do have, they, they only have four starters back on defense, but they have their top three uh, studs back in Jet Johnson, Nathaniel uh, Watson, and the Cam, <laughs> Robinson, or I'm sorry, Richardson. Um, so, um, and Arnett, that's his side of the ball, um, and I, I still think they'll be pretty good um, defensively. But, I, yeah, uh, win total six and a half. It's a pass for me. Um, they did get 11 transfers, uh, 10 uh, guys from Power 5 uh, programs, but only ranked uh, 37th uh, in terms of transfer-specific uh, um rankings from 247 sports i've got them five and five with two swing games uh being ole miss uh at home and at auburn where they had that big comeback uh win a couple of years ago um which you know kind of started the demise of, of harson or actually I, I think him just choosing that job uh started the demise so let's uh move over to AM. so i was down on AM last year I, I thought they were getting way uh too much preseason love uh that you know was seemingly based on the recruiting class and you know those guys were all going to be uh true freshmen so they were disappointing. I, I picked them to pick Pennis uh, fifth in the West, but I didn't think they were going to be as bad as they ended up at, at five and seven. But they bring back 10 starters on a defense, and it was not the defense's fault last year. I mean, they gave up only an average of 21.2 points per game, and that was with a pedestrian uh, offense. Haynes King uh, off to Georgia Tech. Uh, he was awful. Um, so it's probably going to be Connor Wegman, uh, the true sophomore, although Max Johnson um, is back. Um, so, you know, we'll see, uh, how that goes. Uh, Wegman, eight, 
uh, touchdown pass. Actually, Johnson and him combined for 11 touchdown passes without an interception last year. Getting Anaya Smith back healthy is huge. That was a huge loss when he went down. Uh, in the Arkansas game. And I thought Evan Stewart, uh, the five-star wide receiver, had an outstanding freshman campaign, especially when you consider he wasn't getting uh, that good a quarterback play as he had uh, 53 receptions for 649 yards, only two touchdowns. But, um, yeah, I, I think a- I've got A&M going eight and four. Um, the swing games that could, uh, you know, flip it a little better than that or a little worse I would say are Alabama at home, which they are an eight-point underdog. Uh, the Arkansas game, where they are three-point favorites. And at Miami, where they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And uh, I forget if they've announced this uh, kickoff time for that Miami game. But if it's at noon or 3.30, major advantage Miami on September 9th in South Florida in the afternoon. Whew. That heat is something uh, to deal with. So I think those three games uh, are the big ones. They're also three and a half point underdog at, at Ole Miss, but I, I've got the Rebels uh, winning that game. And they're um, 10 and a half. Sorry, last thing. 10 and a half at LSU uh, in the games of the year spreads um, the regular season finale. I was going to say that A&M Miami game is 3.30 Eastern. So that is, um, yeah. So you get that, that afternoon. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not an easy setup. Yeah. For, for a team again, that I think has a chance to really have a, a huge bounce back season. We just see all the talent there and we, we've kind of talked in our previews this season, just about, yes, you look at kind of the, the youth and how much older they get. But I think what's really impressive is when you look at that, like wide receiver group. And I mean, that, that is a very talented group and it's just a matter of seeing what happens with Bobby Petrino and, and what they, they can do there. And so I'm, I'm very intrigued by this A&M team. So. Yeah. Um, if it, uh, if it does go sideways on them, I, I hope Petrino's not in the press box. I hope he's on the sidelines. And that, <laughs> that, that could be appointment television in November. Uh, if those two uh, strong personalities start to start to bicker. Listen, that was when we did our bold predictions for Texas A&M this season. My bold prediction, and of course this was a more lighthearted one, was that Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino would not body slam each other on the sideline this year. So I, I predicted that will not happen. So we'll see if I'm if I'm getting that one correct. But I got yeah. I got to root against you there, buddy. <laughs> you might root against me. That's probably <laughs> you're probably not the only one. Um, but there you go. So A&M at eight. Um, Kentucky at seven. And this is kind of going to be the group I'm going to say, hey, please refer to our previous episode because Brian uh, touched on all three of these teams coming up next and pretty in depth uh, on the previous one. And we'll talk about why in a second, Kentucky at seven, Arkansas at six. You mentioned the previous episode. Um, so you really like the, the over six and a half wins for Arkansas and explain why um, Ole Miss at five. And also talked about how you were in on the uh, Ole Miss win total of seven and a half. Anything else you want to add Brian on these three teams? Cause like I said, we're not trying to, to skip these purposely, but if you listen to our previous episode, uh, we went in, in depth on all three of those. Ole Miss at five, Arkansas at six, Kentucky at seven. Not much to add. I think we covered it, you know, over six and a half on Arkansas, over seven and a half Ole Miss. Um, and uh, it's starting to seem like Jackson's, Jackson Dart is going to win the job. I know Lane Hutton made an announcement uh, yet, but they've got multiple quarterbacks that they can win with. Um, but, yeah, I think we covered it uh, pretty good, uh, really high on Ole Miss and Arkansas. All right, let's get to the top four. Let's start with number four, Tennessee. Um, the Vols obviously had a breakthrough season last year. Uh, now returned with 
the same offensive system, uh, not the exact same weapons, but plenty of weapons to work with on the offensive side, especially you look at that running back group that's back. Um, Jabari Small, Jalen Ryder both back. Um, and, you know, Brew McCoy leads the way with that wide receiver group. Got some breakout candidates there with Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton. And, of course, there's Joe Milton, who takes over for Hendon Hooker. And that is the, you know, one of the more polarizing topics, I think, for some people. There's some people who have Joe Milton as a Heisman favorite, the Heisman favorite. Um, there are some who think that he could lose the starting job at some point this season. It's a very wide extreme when it comes to uh, what people's thoughts are on just him. But I still think, you know, when you look at just the system, what Josh Heupel's done there, I think the defense uh, was something we kind of said last year. The defense was interesting. No, it was the most talented defense in the SEC, but there were times where it's like, well, they gave up some points, but they just scored so many points that sometimes it's just kind of like one of those things where I don't think they were as bad as people sometimes made them out to be. Um, can they be better in certain areas? Yes, but I am still pretty much you know all in on this Tennessee team. I think it's just a product of having a lot of talent, having a system that has proven to be effective, uh, and really, it just comes down to what do you get for 12 games from Joe Milton? If you have the confidence in him to deliver, I don't see why, you know, it, you wouldn't be high on Tennessee coming into the season. Yeah, and I, I'm on the extreme that I'm very bullish uh, on Joe yeah. Milton. I, I haven't bet him to win the Heisman. He's got 25 to 1 odds at, at FanDuel, but I'm still considering it. I, I may pull the trigger on a, just a little baby play uh, on that. But I, I, I think he's going to be terrific. I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Anthony Richardson, um, but maybe maybe a little bit. I think he's got an inch uh, taller than him. And um, well, Richardson's added some weight, so they're probably about the same weight. Uh, his 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 arm strength is otherworldly, man. I mean, when he, and he, he, he like Richardson, it just seems to have no effort uh, as well. You know, I was really worried about his accuracy a couple of years ago, but I, I think it did him good to, you know, sit behind Hooker and look, I mean, obviously it was two starts, Clemson and then the blowout against Fandy and then a lot of, you know, mop-up duty, but 10 touchdown passes uh, without an interception, 64.6 uh, completion percentage, like Richardson, he can he can tuck in and run too, and he can run you over um, uh, as well. Um, the receiver group is terrific. I mean, Phil Steele's national unit rankings have the Vols uh, number six at the quarterback position, number nineteen at running back, number six wide receiver. O line is twenty seven, D line twenty eight. Linebacker is the the position group that that Phil Steele's down on the most at number 54. The secondary is number 25 and special teams uh, number 16. Um, You look at um, the schedule. um, They're going to start 2-0 with two easy blowouts. Um, At Florida, they're favored by 7.5 in games of the year at DraftKings. Uh, But they've lost nine in a row there. Uh, You know, we'll see how how UF looks uh, out west. two weeks from today. Uh, but I, it's, it's hard for me to just pencil in Tennessee to automatically get that W when they haven't won there uh, in so long. So 
we'll see on that one. But, you know, I think they should win at home the next two, although UTSA does have a, a really good quarterback in Frank Harris. And that, that probably could be an overplay. I, I don't like to say that blindly without knowing the number because I guess they could throw up something in the 70s out at, at us. But uh, I think that will be a very, very high-scoring game. Uh, they are minus 13 to South Carolina on September 30th. Uh, they are minus 8.5 to Texas A&M. They get two weeks to prepare. Uh, for the Aggies at Bama, they're nine and a half point underdog. Uh, we talked about last week what a, a difficult spot it is at Kentucky, uh, with Kentucky having two weeks uh, to prepare. At Missouri, is going to be a look ahead situation. Um, obviously, that's end of November. You know, we'll have to see where we are injury wise. But if Tennessee is heavily favored and, you know, Missouri is playing pretty decent football, uh, Mizzou is a home dog could be a look there uh, just because of the look ahead factor. And it'll also be more of a look ahead if Tennessee is still in the SEC East race and that, you know, the Georgia game will be a, a de facto SEC East title game. I think it probably will be. Um, Georgia is favored by eight uh, in that game. So I, I have um, Tennessee eight and two. Losing at Bama, losing at Kentucky, although that's a very winnable game. I just think it's a very uh, yeah. difficult spot there. And at eight and two with two games pending, Georgia and at Florida. Um, they probably win at Florida, but, you know, they just don't win down there very often. <laughs> you know, we'll see. I'll, I'll give them that uh, a W. Um, and then I think they'll have a good chance against Georgia, you know, if they're healthy and playing well, because there's a good chance – especially if Auburn and Florida don't give Georgia a game, there's a good chance Georgia rolls in there having, you know, won every game by like, you know, 15 to 20 points minimum, and they haven't had a close game. And then they get up in at Neyland and, you know, 100,000 plus, and they're in a tight game in the fourth quarter. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how they react if they don't have a close game all year uh, going into that. But in general, I think Tennessee – is going to be really good. They're plus 430 to win the SEC East. Their win total is nine and a half, but heavy juice on the under, and um, it's a pass for me. All right, number three, Alabama. Do you think Nick Saban has ever smiled as much as he is right now, knowing that there are people out there that are doubting the Alabama Crimson Tide heading into the season? Um, listen, I'm included uh, because we – we made our college football playoff uh, predictions, uh, I guess, whenever you're watching this, this week. Um, and all of us, well, Blaine and I picked LSU to get to the national championship with Georgia. Chris picked Alabama to get to the college football playoff, um, but we did not. And, and we all somehow picked LSU to win the West. And I think even Chris did. We had to remind him, even though he picked Alabama to get to the college football playoff. We said, Chris, I think you picked um LSU to win the West. So I said, how are we going to make that work? He's like, oh, they'll figure it out because they've done it before. And I was like, that's a good they point. Have. So they've done it before. Um, but the, the bigger point here again, is that there seems to be more questions about this Alabama team. And I think here's where I'm at on this, Brian, it's not the talent. Like they have talent. It's just, I think when you start at the quarterback position and you feel like there is a question there, you're automatically that magnifies things because it is the quarterback position. And so, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Um, there's obvious, obviously you have different coordinators now on each side of the ball. And when you just look at some of the transition there, I think it's easy to understand why some people have more questions about this Alabama team than we've had in recent years. So you have them at number three. 
I still think they're good enough to win the whole thing. But yes, there I think are more questions just because there's not as much certainty as we're used to with Alabama. And maybe that's just where it opens up the, the, the holes to be a little bit more doubtful about their ability to perhaps run the table. Yeah, so like you said, I got them third in the SEC. I've got them fifth overall. That's the lowest I've had them since going into the 08 uh, mm. season. Um, wow. So, yeah, like you said, you know Saban is licking his chops and just loving li- – I mean, there's no rat poison for him to even yeah. point out. There, there's, <laughs> he, he, he can't even say anything about any rat poison. And another great thing they have going for them is that, in my mind, their five toughest games are at home, um, that being LSU – uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Texas in no particular order. Or actually, I think I was going in reverse order. Uh, but anyhow, um, now it's going to be tough at AM. They are favored by eight and a half. Uh, Ole Miss at home is not a layup. They are favored by 15 and a half. They're favored by seven in the Texas game. Um, I think they're 40 against Middle Tennessee. Um, they are nine and a half uh, to Tennessee. They're 18. Uh, to Arkansas, minus seven to LSU, minus 14 at Auburn. So the odds makers, they still have the respect of the odds makers, um, clearly. So, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, we just don't know about the quarterback situation. Last time we saw Buckner, he was throwing three interceptions, two pick sixes against the Gamecocks. Um, You know, last time we saw Milrow, he was struggling against Texas A&M. And, um, you know, we'll see on Ty Simpson. Uh, I feel like didn't he have an injury in the spring that um, I think prevented him uh, from playing as much in the um, whatever they call call their uh, they call it the crimson and white. Oh, there you go. The A game. Uh, we call it the orange and blue game uh, it, down in uh, Gainesville. But look, I don't think they have elite playmakers at the wide receiver position. Certainly nobody in near the the level of the, the you know, the rugs and the Jerry Judy's and Devontae Smith, uh, Ridley, et cetera, et cetera. They just don't they don't have that. I, I would guess they're going to go to a more of a power uh, running attack. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll just have to wait to see who they go with um, at QB. But um, look, it you know, I know Saban's tried to spin it where they were two plays away from being undefeated and they should be in the playoff. Well, you know what? A&M had the ball first and goal twice in yeah. the last four and a half minutes and only got three points. OK, you trailed most of the game at Ole Miss. You had no business winning at Texas. I mean, it could have been a sky is falling catastrophic, you know, eight and four, seven and five type of season last year. And if they don't get good QB play this year, and I'm not, I mean, I I would rank their QB room 13th of Florida only being worse. I mean, I'd rather have, I think I'd rather have AJ Swan than any of these guys. I mean, that's, that's a debatable question, I guess, but, um, yeah, so I, I, um, I I think they, I've got them eight and oh with four swing games, uh, the four swing games, all winnable, all losable uh, at AM, Tennessee at home, LSU at home, and at Auburn. I mean, they could they could get picked off, especially if Freeze has his team uh, playing well. Uh, you know it's always going to be a, a hornet's nest uh, at Jordan-Hare for the Iron Bowl uh, in terms of the crowd being a major uh, factor. So if I, if I got to say, I, I would say Alabama, I would – 
say either nine and three or ten and two, uh, the win total is a pass for me. All right, number two LSU. Uh, if you want thoughts on LSU, we spent a lot of time on LSU on the previous episode, probably more than any team we talked about. Um, so go back. You can find that again in the podcast feed. You can find the whole thing there. We also have a couple of videos up on LSU on our channel, looking at the win total um, and also previewing that Florida State LSU game. So find those two videos uh, on YouTube, Southeastern 14, just search for them uh, there. But let's go to number one, which I think if you've done process of elimination here, everyone knows who number one is. And uh, rightfully so, the team that is uh, the two-time defending national champions here, Georgia, back-to-back national titles. Everyone wants to know, can they pull off the three-peat? Well, everybody's starting with that schedule. And when you look at that schedule, boy, it's uh, there's a lot of reason to think they can pull off that three-peat because it's not great. Although I will I will do this, and this will transition in a second into our, um, our next thing here. But everybody picks on Georgia's schedule, but... I'll tell you one thing. You look at Michigan's schedule, which we may talk about here in a minute. Uh, it's not exactly um, pretty either when it comes to the potential to, to find losses. But, I mean, what do you say about Georgia? Certainly they're going to make a change at quarterback. Uh, I thought it was uh, funny, Brian. We mentioned before we started recording, you, you're going to talk about Carson Beck in a second, the Heisman odds. Um, that was one of my bold predictions this year for Georgia. I said, I, I think Carson Beck gets to New York as one of the Heisman finalists. I think it's very possible. And the reason why – is because of one of the reasons why Georgia is sitting right here. You mentioned earlier, think about the guys they've added to the mix from the SEC and the two receivers, Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett. They've got Ladd McConkey there, and they've got, of course, Brock Bowers, who is someone else that I think a lot of people are trying to figure out a way to get him into the Heisman conversation. Uh, he's just unbelievable, as we know. I mean, defensively, it's a Kirby Smart team. You know what to expect. Um, they're loaded again from top to bottom, this Georgia team, and – like I said, the schedule sets up so nicely that I don't know how anyone could put them at one right now. So, yep, yep, I agree on all of that. And, you know, uh, unless, you know, Devin Leary just comes to Athens and lights it up, um, yeah. or, or or we get some Jordan Hare craziness uh, when <laughs> they go to, to the Plains September 30th, I just really don't see anybody. Um, hanging with them at all until they go to Knoxville. Now, um, the Ole Miss game, they are a 19 and a half point favorite. The Florida game, they're anywhere from 21 and a half to 22. Um, at Auburn, they're 18 and a half. Uh, South Carolina, they're minus 24. So, I mean, the Tennessee game with their minus eight is their only game uh, where they are a single digit favorite. Or actually, it's the only one where they're less than, what, 18 and a half. I mean, that's and that tells you uh, all you need. And, and Ole Miss is a good football team, and they are 19-and-a-half-point uh, underdog going uh, to Athens. But, yeah, I, I uh, made a play on Carson Beck at 25-to-1 uh, to win the Heisman. So we, we, don't, we haven't seen him much, but he was very highly recruited. He's got great size. I know it's been a small sample size and pretty much all mop-up duty, but he stands tall in the pocket. He's got a good arm. Um, so just the small snippets I've seen him, I've been very impressed. I think Georgia fans will tell you they, they feel good about all three quarterbacks and, uh, that being Brock Vandegriff and Gunnar Stockton. So, um, I mean, the only real weakness that we can point to is a lack of experience at quarterback, but I, you know, again, that's my Heisman pick. I mean, I just, my thought process with the Heisman pick is just, I mean, if we're November 18th and they're going to Tennessee for a spotlight game and they're undefeated with nothing but double-digit wins, 
if the quarterback plays good at Tennessee and then in another spotlight game in Atlanta two weeks later, he's got to be in the conversation, right? Uh, you know, yeah. assuming if they were, you know, to stay undefeated. So come that November 18th, um, I'll be happy to have a 25 to one uh, ticket on Carson Beck. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm not saying he definitely wins it by any means, but um, that uh, that's my thinking on that play again. Like I, I give Tennessee a chance uh, in that game, especially if Joe Milton is playing really well, uh, you know, but we're a lot of ankle injuries and torn ACLs away uh, from that one. So I'll, I'll hold off on, you know, calling that, you know, to be an outright uh, upset, but um, that could be, and then that, you know, the game in Atlanta, uh, the SEC game, well, you know, assuming they get past Tennessee, um, those would be their, their toughest, but it looks like another fantastic season for Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. Yep, sets up that way for sure. So there are Brian's SEC power rankings. Now we're going to kind of look at this from a national scope, and we'll tie in some non-SEC teams into that. Just quickly, if you want to kind of know where Brian has every SEC team in his top 50, Georgia at one, uh, LSU's at four, Alabama five, Tennessee at eight, uh, Ole Miss at 11, uh, Arkansas 18, Kentucky 21, Texas A&M 22, Mississippi State 25, South Carolina 26, Florida 27, Auburn 30, uh, Missouri at 37, and I think that's it, Brian. I don't think I skipped anyone because Vanderbilt would be the only team not in there, right? So, Correct. Um, yeah, so that is that. Uh, a couple of other notable ones outside of the top group we're going to discuss here in a second. UTSA is interesting at 50 because they play Tennessee. Um, that's an interesting non-conference game, um, which we've kind of talked about before previously. The Ole Miss at Tulane game uh, is kind of fun, which I think we talked about the Ole Miss win total. You've got Tulane at 41, um, and some people have them um, higher. Um, so I think those are notable ones. Kansas State at 29. Missouri obviously gets them. You talked about that as a potential swing game for Missouri um, there. So that is uh, one to note. All right. Back to the top, though. Um, you've got Ohio State at two, Michigan at three. Uh, I'm just going to run. We, we can, you can take this wherever you want to. Ohio State two, Michigan three, uh, Penn State at six, Clemson at seven, Washington at nine, USC at 10. Um, so obviously three. Three teams, the, the, the Big Ten debate, uh, and if we're just going to kind of angle this, which we're an SEC channel, but if we angle this towards, you know, the teams that have the best chance to join, let's be honest, what is probably going to be two teams in the in the college football playoff. That's just, I just tend to think we're going to see two SEC teams there, whether it's Georgia and LSU, Georgia and Alabama, Georgia and a surprise A&M or somebody else maybe. Um, that's just kind of what we're thinking. But Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Um, obviously, the, the three teams that you have grouped in with the three other SEC teams in your top six here. Uh, I, as I said earlier, Michigan's schedule to me, I don't see any potential pitfalls for Michigan to lose a game until they go to Penn State. And I think that's where things get very interesting because they got that road game at Penn State, but they do get Ohio State at home. Um, Ohio State, I think, is another one of those teams where you just kind of expect them. And you, you mentioned it, too. Ohio State's got some tough games on that schedule. They got to go to Notre Dame and look, they get Penn State at home. So that's a luxury. You do have to play that game at Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this Big Ten group is very interesting. And then to kind of tie it in um, with, you know, I guess a Clemson, everybody kind of wonders can they take that step back uh, into the spotlight this season uh, as a team that could win a national championship? And then, of course, the demise of the Pac 12, the swan song begins um, as Washington, USC, and could Oregon, Utah, could any of those teams, you know, crash the party here, which I think it's a strong possibility 
to get there. Um, so in any way you want to go with any of this, Brian, like I said, I know we talk SEC, but um, any of these teams that that really you feel like maybe has the strongest chance, like I said, to to an eclipse of Georgia um, or or maybe keep a couple of the keep another SEC team out of this college football playoff. Yeah, so um, I'll start with the um, the Pac-12, and you know, it's shameful. It's their last year, and I think that they're it's going to be the best the league has been in yeah. well over a decade. I mean, you legit have uh, five or six uh, really good teams, especially if uh, the 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 uh, five-star true freshman uh, pans out at quarterback for UCLA because I like Oregon State a lot uh, as well. But I have Washington at nine, like you mentioned. I have them the highest-rated uh, team. But I would think if if a, if a team in the Pac-12 has the uh, the team that has the best chance, I would think to get the CFP probably because of the schedule, it, it's probably USC. I mean, I think they're going to have the best offense in the country. Now, I still have major doubts about their defense, although they, they did try to address it with a lot of uh, key gets uh, out of the portal. Their transfer-specific class is ranked third. But, that, I mean, that defense got bullied around, especially that Utah game, I mean, the way Tulane came back on them. I mean, they gave up an average of 29 uh, point two points per game last year, and that was even with all the turnovers they created. They were plus twenty two uh, in turnover margin, uh, and that's not sustainable. They're not. I mean, part of it is Caleb Williams not turning the ball over, which perhaps is sustainable, but they're not going to cause as many turnovers um, this year. So I have my doubts about USC, and, and I'll also point out they were plus eleven fifty seven. Uh, in net yardage. And, and the reason why I point that out is because I, I w- I'm sorry, uh, Washington, it wasn't as big enough. Anyway, Washington was plus 1860 uh, in net yardage. It was not quite the point I was, I was thinking Washington had more uh, than that, but um, you know, I love Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I love Penix. He, you know, he was finally able to stay healthy, just couldn't stay healthy in Indiana, which probably had a lot to do with, um, you know, an inferior O-line, but um Phil Steele's national unit rankings very, very high on Washington. He's got him number two at the quarterback position, number two at wide receiver, number 20 uh, at running back, the 11th uh, ranked uh, defensive line. Uh, and, you know, Washington um, last year, not, not only 11 and two straight up, eight and five against the spread, they beat four ranked teams and they won seven games uh, by double digit margin. So, but, I, you know, with Utah and Oregon and Oregon State also good, I just think these teams are going to beat each other up. And, and I very well could see a situation where all of them have at least two losses, um, certainly after the Pac 12 championship game, but I could see it happening in the regular season. So, I'm going to say probably not a team from the Pac-12 just because I just think they're going to beat each other up. Now, the Big Ten, did you want to chime in there? Were you going to say something? No, I was going to say I think okay. you're right. I mean, like you said, right. I think because of the strength of the the league and having that many teams close together, I think they wind up beating up on each other and it doesn't really single one team out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, look, Penn State is really the wild card. I'm very, very high on Penn State, although I'm not a huge fan uh, of James Franklin's in-game decisions. Love him as a recruiter. I mean, what he did at Vanderbilt, I don't think will ever be uh, done again. But, you know, if Drew Aller, if he is the real deal, and I've heard varying opinions on him, and I just really haven't watched him other than just, you know, throwing on a a Twitter search and looking at a few, you know, video uh, clips of him. Um, 
but I, I hear he's really good from some, and then, I, then some other people I respect uh, aren't as high on him. But uh, they were fantastic last year. They won 10 of their 11 games by double digits, went 9-3-1 ATS, bring back eight starters on each side of the ball. Um, if Aller is the real deal, I mean, single. T- I mean, they get, they might have the best combination of running backs in the country, uh, in Allen and Singleton. They get Michigan at home. They do have to go at Ohio State, where they're a ten and a half point uh, underdog. But I think Penn State's got a great chance uh, to go eleven and one, and um, by virtue of that head to head over Michigan, get into the Big Ten championship game uh, ahead of them. So um, we shall see. Ohio State. You know, they, they've got as much talent uh, as anybody. Um, we'll see on Kyle McCord, assuming he beats out Devin Brown. You know, I just got to I got to see those guys in action against live bullets before I have, you know, yeah. a, a strong opinion. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the QB position is the most important uh, position. And it's kind of a question mark uh, for me. But whoever it is, is going to have great talent around him and Marvin Harrison Jr., the best wide receiver in the nation. Michigan's loaded. Once again, you know, can they uh, get over the hump uh, in in the CFP? They've uh, yet to do so uh, and had a great opportunity last year, obviously being a seven and a half point favorite. So it's going to be one of those three teams. So then, you know, you think Big 12, you know, everybody's all over Texas and – Guilty. I picked Texas as my number four team in the college. Like they were the non-SEC. I said, "Hey, I can see Texas getting there with Michigan, Georgia, and another SEC team." So I'm guilty of that. You're not. You're (laughs) not. You're not alone in that. I mean, they have the best talent in the Big Twelve by far. Um, You know, and even if they lose at Alabama, that is not an eliminator. You know, of, of in terms of CFP, if they run the table from there. They, they will be in the CFP. So so they can get a mulligan uh, at Bama. Look, man, they, they should win the Big 12. They should win at least 10. I mean, they're going to be favored in, in 11 of 12 games. Um, but, man, they have not won 10 games in the regular season or won the Big 12 since 2009. So wow. it's just hard for me to, you know, and, and Sark, um, he's recruited great. I just don't think a whole lot of him uh, as a head coach. So I just have my doubts about Texas, uh, but certainly they could uh, be that team. Now, then there's the ACC and and Clemson FSU. Clemson obviously gets FSU at home. uh, So that is huge. I think FSU's got a dangerous game at Pittsburgh, November 4th, probably going to be cold weather. It's uh, traveling for the second time in two weeks, having played uh, at Wake uh, the week before, and you know, we'll see how FSU does against LSU, and then week four at Clemson. That's a back to back travel spot as well because they have to go at Boston College uh, the week before that. If I had to pick it now, I would go with Clemson, and they are two and a half um, in uh, DraftKings uh, games a year, or at least at, at last look. Um, I got to see more of Cade Klubnik to to have you know a strong opinion either way. So. I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I would I would pick Texas as, as my fourth team. I, I don't, you know, I, maybe two. Could we get two Big Ten and two SEC? That's I mean, what I we guess. were trying to figure out. I mean, I think it's possible, but that yeah. all depends on. I think what you need in that scenario is you you have to have the Pac-12 teams beat up on each other, which we think yep. is going to happen, 
And then I think you have to have – that's where you need Clemson and Florida State to both have a slip-up somewhere yeah. in addition. Yeah, so I think that's the combination you would need. So. Well, Clemson could slip at South Carolina. Yeah. At, at NC State. NC State's got two weeks to prepare for that. And then – so if we want Texas to have two losses, FSU and Clemson to have two losses, um, that's very possible. I mean, yeah. FSU could lose to LSU – at Clemson, at Pittsburgh, I doubt they are going to lose at Florida, but you know, you never know. We'll, we'll see where we are in late November. Um, so that would, I guess, that would be the route. Pac-12 beating them up, beating each other up. Texas losing two, and then uh, FSU and Clemson both getting to two losses. I hope that's how it goes <laughs> because I think Penn State will be one of those teams, and uh, I think Penn State has got. Um, They've got the potential to win it all this year, I think. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. they're going to. I'm not saying they're going to. But I, I'm with you. I, I think probably if I had to do my top six, it would be – I don't know if it would be the exact same order, but I would. it would be three SEC. It would be three Big Ten right now. And I think I would put either Florida State. Maybe, yeah, so, like, it would be the other teams behind them. So, we'll see what happens. A lot of possible combinations between now and then and a lot of wild scenarios. But as always, Brian, another action-packed – episode here lots of great stuff um and it's wild to think when we do this next time this week <laughs> games days, like they're yeah, yeah. like they're, they're gonna be getting close to really like game almost game time like this yeah. is uh pretty wild to think about so yeah um anything else you want to mention as we said we'll put the, the links to uh, the power rankings and the national rankings both in the description as we've done uh, on the previous episode and, and again guys keep in mind we are releasing this full episode in full. So you get the full 50-minute conversation on our audio podcast feed. Search any podcast app you use. Search for Southeastern 14. Find that there. You'll get kind of the cut-up clips um, all on YouTube. Join us there. We've hit 10,000 subscribers uh, now. So we appreciate you guys. But, yeah, Brian, anything else you want to plug before we hop off? No. Uh, enjoyed it, Blake. Thanks. I'm uh, enjoying doing these videos uh, with you guys. And, uh Appreciate all our listeners, good uh, feedback. And uh, like you noted, um, uh, my SEC power rankings, you can check it out in written form at majorwager.com. Uh, and my top 50 is on both Major Wager and uh, Brian EdwardSports.com. Nine days away from uh, toe meeting leather. So we're getting close, fired up about it. Yep, we are. And again, we appreciate Brian for joining us this season. It's going to be a lot of fun once the games actually get started. So appreciate you guys as well. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, check out everything else we've got on the channel. Uh, again, you can find our podcast feed if you're just watching on YouTube. Uh, go find our audio podcast feed. Uh, there are some fun stuff on the way on that as well. So appreciate you guys as always, and we'll talk to you again here soon at Southeastern 14.